Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Fast Past, the history podcast in close to 30 minutes or less. Thank you all for tuning in again. As always, I'm Megan. And I am Jason. In keeping with our month of interesting assassinations, we move from Europe back to the Western Hemisphere to talk about a dictator of the Dominican Republic, Rafael Trujillo. And let me tell you, he's interesting in a horrible, awful, almost genocidal, but actually probably genocidal way. Nothing says really cool guy, like uh, probable genocide. Exactly. Okay, so before we start, I'm just going to say I cannot pronounce names for shit. Yeah. As we've heard in the other episodes. So either Jason is going to help me out or they'll be pronounced wrong. And I'm going to try to help by pronouncing them wrong. So, like, I apologize in advance because these names are all very important and the people are very important. So that's why I wanted to put down the entirety of their names. It's just I cannot pronounce for shit. We try. So that's our disclaimer. So just like in our last two episodes, we're going to start backwards in history so we can talk about the untimely, but actually pretty good, downfall of Trujillo. So let's get to know the man that murdered thousands before being murdered himself. Assassinated. Assassinated to death. (laughs) So before we get ahead into the man and the murder, let me just say that the Dominican Republic had a very complicated history with not only Haiti, but with the United States. And the conflicts that happened between the two led to Rafael Trujillo to gain power in the country. But if I went into detail about all of this, the podcast would be literally two hours long. So just know that Colonial Santo Domingo, which is present-day Dominican Republic, hated Colonial Saint Domingue, which is present-day Haiti, for several reasons. One, Saint Domingue was French and Santo Domingo was Spanish. The Spanish hated the French. Same. Two, more slaves were forcefully and wrongfully imported into Haiti, leading there to be a higher slave population than French population. Santo Domingo, however, had more of the Taino people, which was the indigenous population, to enslave, so they needed less slaves. Basically, there was a lot of animosity between the two, to the point that the slaves from Santo Domingo felt that they were better than the slaves from Saint Domingue. Yeah, because the whole we were here first mentality is a great way to prove that you're better than Someone else who's also enslaved? It, I don't get it. It makes no sense. And three, there was a successful slave revolt and rebellion into revolution in Saint-Domingue, making it a free country of slaves. In an attempt to free all slaves, the soldiers from now Haiti made their way into Santo Domingo and even took over the capital for a bit. Hmm. The Spanish were obviously not super happy about it. They eventually got pushed back into Haiti, but this, there grew this huge feeling of anti-Haitianismo throughout the Dominican Republic which honestly still exists today. It's racism to the extreme, but Trujillo ran with this, so we'll get back to that. Now, the U.S. and the Dominican Republic have less of a history, but basically at one point the U.S. took over the Dominican Republic, I I mean occupied it, but eventually left. Because when hasn't the U.S. attempted to occupy another country when given the opportunity? Exactly. All right, so Trujillo. Rafael Trujillo was born in San Cristobal on October 24th, 1891. That makes him a Scorpio. Mm -hmm. He was one of 10 siblings and he grew up in the middle class family. Scholars don't think he had much of an education, if any. And I say think because when Trujillo took power, he hired someone to rewrite his family history. So we may never know the full and true story. When he was younger, he was part of a gang called the 42. He got a job as a telegraph operator when he turned 16, but lost that job due to gang activities committing various crimes, including forging a check. So this man goes out, does a bunch of gang activities and other crimes, and then the line is drawn at forging a check? Yep. 
His life turned around when he got married to his first wife. He had three in total and a lot of mistresses in 1916 and had two children. He left the gang and his life of crime to be a family man. He had a job as a sugar weigher and eventually got promoted in 1916 as well to the policeman of the plantation. Things were looking up for old Raph. It's a real feel-good story. His career changed forever in 1919 when he was tired of his rural life and joined the U.S. Marines, which had occupied the Dominican Republic. He trained as an officer for the municipal force, but was so good that he quickly raised in the ranks. In 1928, he was named General. But it was not only in military might that he was successful, he also had an eye for politics, too. A coup led by Rafael Estrella Urina, yeah, disposed the then president Felipe Horacio Velasquez Lajara Lajara in March of 1930. Trujillo had made an advance agreement with the rebels that he would let the rebel, rebel that he would let the rebellion take place so long as he was to become the president. Hmm. And so now we have president of the Dominican Republic Rafael Trujillo in 1930. I mean, fair enough, I, I guess. He was basically president until his assassination in 1961. I say basically because for points in history, he wasn't technically the president, but they were all puppet presidents for Trujillo. So his reign of terror begins. Hmm. On the first anniversary of his reign, Trujillo banned all political parties except for his own, the Dominican Party, which, if you're looking to be a dictator, this is pretty much step one. Oh, yeah. Adult citizens were strong-armed into joining the party. If they refused, they were arrested. And even those who were who joined were subject to arrest if they appeared in public without a membership card for identification. That's uh, not cool in any way, shape, or form. You're going to arrest your own people for not having their ID on them. Yeah, because they're not that dedicated to the cause. Ooh, fair. Government employees were expected to, quote, donate. And I put that in quotes because they literally had no choice. 10% of their salaries to the National Treasury that, guess what, Trujillo ran. So basically, they were paying Trujillo. It's crazy. He then ran unopposed for re-election in 1934. For this term, he went ham on something called self... Self-aggrandizement. Wow, thank you so much. Which, in layman's terms, is self-promotion. He renamed the capital after himself, Ciudad Trujillo, or City Trujillo. Uh, he even renamed the Providence Trujillo. Very, very humble of this man. Very humble. Like, mm -hmm. you can't even tell... I can't even tell you how humble he is because he's that, that humble. humble. Totally. Uh, he even put his name into the tallest mountain in the country. So humble. Cars had the license plate that read Viva Trujillo and um, Año de Benefactor de la Patria or Year of the Benefactor of the Nation. So, so very humble. So humble. Churches <laughs> were required to post a sign that said, quote, God in heaven... Trujillo on earth. Have I mentioned how humble he is? He's literally the most humble human in the world. He was definitely not loved enough as a child. Oh, oh not. And the thing is, after all this, people loved this guy. I mean, okay, it was brainwashed love, but he brainwashed his people into loving him. And there are still people out there who love him and are loyal to him after the fact. He Stockholm syndromed his own people. Yes. He did get the country back on track and, like, slash the debt that they had. Hmm. He gave jobs to people that needed them because he owned most of the businesses in the Dominican Republic and seemed to bring order to the nation. He didn't lead the nation. He owned the nation. Basically, and that's why people think of him as, like, this great person because he did get the nation back on track, 
by owning the whole... It was, like, uh, so crazy. Hmm. When he was up for his third legal term in 1938, he declined, saying, quote, I voluntarily, and against the wishes of my people, refuse re-election to the high office, unquote. But he handpicked his successor, who was 71-year-old... You, who was 71-year-old... Jacinto Bienvenido Penado. Yes. It was a puppet presidency, essentially. And in 1940, he was succeeded by Manuel de Jesus... Troncoso de la Concha. Thank you. But at this point, Trujillo missed the power, so he took back the presidency again, but lengthened the terms from one year... Well, by one year. By one year, in 1942, yeah. Yeah. His brother, Hector Trujillo, took over for a while, but Trujillo took power again in 1960 until his death. What is... He had the chance to retire. Yeah. He comes back. Yeah. He puts his brother in charge. Yeah. That's still not enough. Yeah. And he comes back. Yeah. Only death can stop this man. And that's some fucked up shit. Yeah. And he ruled with an iron fist, killing some 50,000 people. And that's a conservative estimate of his own people across the three decades with the help of Johnny Abe's Garcia at his side as chief of the military. Johnny Abe's was as ruthless as Trujillo, and he would do whatever Trujillo told him to, kill whomever he wanted to kill. It was horrible. People who opposed Trujillo just disappeared and were never seen again. Some of Trujillo's most horrible acts actually made newspaper headlines outside of the country, like his Parsley Massacre. Sounds festive. Yeah, if genocide is festive, then it's festive as fuck. Mm. Because it was genocide. It was horrible. It was fueled by this anti-Haitianismo ideology. It happened October 2nd, 1937. Trujillo ordered the eradication of all Haitian immigrants living in districts of the Dominican Republic that bordered Haiti. Jesus. He said that, quote, to the, to the Dominicans who were complaining of the depredations by the Haitians living among them, thefts of cattle, provisions, fruits, etc., and were thus prevented from enjoying in peace the products of their labor, I respond, I will fix this, unquote. His fixing this was genocide. He murdered at least 20,000 Haitians. Some estimates are even higher, and it was a five-day-long slaughter. The Haitians who desperately tried to cross back into Haiti by going across a river were murdered too, and now that river is known as the Massacre River. Trujillo tried to blame this military exploit on the Dominican people, some leader he is, but the U.S. was not happy with that. Trujillo was ordered to pay $525,000 in reparations to Haiti, which is roughly $30 a person, of which the Haitian government kept $29.70 for themselves. So imagine saying the cost of somebody's life is only $30. Then imagine the government who has sworn to protect you say that your dead parents are only worth 30 cents. And the worst part is, like, Trujillo was part Haitian. Hmm. He was darker skin toned than most of his officers and would literally cake his face in white powder to seem less Haitian than he was. This is why this anti-Haitianismo ideology of being less than because of skin tone was so destructive. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was a part of him that he hated for the entirety of his life, but still he murdered his own people because he didn't want to seem as black as the Haitians. So what you're telling me, he's a terrible human being. Yeah. And he deserved to die. Yeah, and I feel like our last two episodes have been kind of sad because, like, they weren't the worst people ever. But this guy, this guy was absolutely horrible. I don't want to say evil because that makes it seem like they're inhuman. But this guy was very human and he was just awful, mm -hmm. like, despicable. And that isn't even all that he did. 
he would also drive around the Dominican Republic and sleep with whatever woman he wanted. Literally, they dubbed him the GOAT. It didn't matter what age they were, if they were married, sometimes he would even send his officers away for business just to sleep with their wives in their own bed. This guy was a predator, which kind of brings us to his assassination. Let's kill this guy. Let's <laughs> murder this man. So there isn't a huge timeline for this assassination, unlike the other two, because this was super secret, and most of the assassins actually got killed themselves after the fact. We have to realize here that this was a full-on dictatorship where if he did so much as breathe any sort of ill will toward the Generalissimo, he would have you killed. So, wouldn't have been as public as JFK or Franz Ferdinand. This was a full covert operation. So I'm going to break it down as much as I can. Let's break it down. So Trujillo made a lot of enemies when he was the Generalissimo, some being people in his own inner circle. Some guy explained to me that Voldemort was a man who hated himself, was afraid of death, and someone that people were afraid to stand up to. And that is basically how to describe Trujillo. Mm. He was ambushed by rebels on St. Cristobal Highway in Ciudad Trujillo, the capital he named after himself. There were several, several shots from several weapons, including three M1 carbines that were later traced back to the CIA. Suspicious. Of course. The shots killed Trujillo instantly, ending the terrorizing reign. They took his body in a car, and it was later found at the house of a co-conspirator. Now, since this was so short, and there is very little information on the actual assassination, I'll continue to talk more about the assassins, as well as give them some information So, um, some information that may or may not be credible. Um, there was this book called Feast of the Goat by Mario Vargas Llorosa that I had to read in class. It won a Nobel Prize. It's pretty important. But in the book, the assassination happened this way. And I don't know if it's legitimately credible or not. I'm just going to say that again, but this is how it was broken down. They tried before to kill him another way, but he never showed up to where he was supposed to go. They went to this plan, knowing that they would probably die for their actions. Trujillo had a myriad of mistresses, so they knew that this night was, was the night he was off to see one of them. The only person with him was a trusted driver. It was when Trujillo was the most vulnerable. Now, there were two cars. One caught him off at the side, and the other one hit him from behind. The car crashed. The rebels got out of the car and started shooting. Trujillo's driver and Trujillo got out and started shooting at them. Basically, one of the rebels even hit the other rebel in the crossfire, but after a while, they went to check, and it was actually that they killed him. They confirmed it. His downfall was wanting to get laid. And he succeeded in getting laid out on the pavement. Exactly. Now... I think the most interesting part of this whole assassination was the aftermath of it. It's not starting World War I colossal or anything, but the reaction was crazy nonetheless. Mm -hmm. Now, I think... Oh, sorry. So, the assassins, first and most prominent, was Antonio de la Maza. He, while in the assassination high, dropped his pistol. Only it wasn't his pistol, it was his friends and co-conspirators, Juan Tomas Diaz. He also got involved in the plot because he used to run a sawmill that was owned by Trujillo near Restauracion. Thank you. Until his brother Octavio was framed as a scapegoat in December 1956 for the murder of the American airline pilot Gerald Lester Murphy near Ciudad Rujillo. Octavio hung himself in jail in 1956, but it was later found that the suicide note was in fact forged. So for De La Maza, this was all about revenge and ensuring that nobody else went through the kind of trauma he did because of Trujillo. Now Trujillo's intelligence service quickly found them and killed both of them on June 4th because of his mistake. So the conspirators have conspiracies of murder and then murderers have been conspired. 
there's a lot of conspiracies going on and there's a lot of murder happening. Wow. Yeah. On June 2nd, another conspirator, Armado Garcia Guerrero, who was an army officer in charge of Trujillo's itinerary, was found and killed. He got in on the plot because Trujillo had forbid him from marrying the woman he loved, who was the sister of what Trujillo deemed to be a communist rebel. Rebel. Then, to add insult to injury, Trujillo ordered Garcia to personally execute a prisoner that was held in the army custody. He didn't know who it was at the time, but Trujillo told him that it was in fact Ren Gill, the brother of the woman he was not allowed to marry. From that day on, he vowed to kill Trujillo. I would too. Are you kidding me? Other people involved were Luis Amiana, mm-hmm. Tio, Luis Manuel Caceres Miquel, Miquel. Uh, Pedro Livio, Sedeno, uh, Herrera, yeah. Pedro Livio Sedeno Herrera. Yeah. Modesto Diaz Quesada, mm-hmm. uh, Salvador Estrella Sadala, Antonio Embert, Barrera, Antonio Tejeda, Tejeda, um, oh, it's Antonio Tejeda Pimentel. Pimentel. Um, every single person except for Barrera uh, and Amena were captured and executed months later on November 18, 1961 in what is called the Hacienda Maria Massacre. Now, in those months before the execution, they were all held in jail, tortured by Johnny Abes to give up more and more names. Once the names were given up, they continued to be tortured. It was a fate worse than death. In the book Feast of the Goat, it was said that Abes killed one of the assassin's sons, cooked him, and fed him to his father. He didn't know until he was halfway through the meal. It's like that kind of crazy fucked up shit that you can't make up. And this is the kind of shit that is happening after Trujillo is dead. Yeah. Now, Antonio Imbert Barrera hated Trujillo for removing him as the governor of Puerto Plata in 1940. He held that grudge for two decades until he killed Trujillo. He evaded his capture and after the assassination by escaping the manhunt. He was later hailed a national hero. Later on, he was shot by Trujillo loyalists in 1967. I told you they're still out there, but he survived and drove himself to the hospital. Two things. One, these people are blindly loyal. And to the point that it's ridiculous. Jesus Christ, how... It's like, it's almost you don't understand the depth of the manipulation. And... Yeah. I don't, I don't understand it. Like how they could be this blindly loyal to a man who's been dead for years. Yeah. And the second thing is much respect to this man for being as legit as he is. He just, he gets shot, doesn't care, hops in a car, dips the hell out, goes to the hospital by himself. Yeah. So pretty much these people gave up their lives to better their country, and most of them were brutally murdered and tortured for it. Mm. But fun fact? Fun I'm gonna, fact? Uh, I don't know if I want to say that. But fact, okay, I'll just say fact. America and the Dominican Republic had decent relations with one another, so they were cool about looking the other way when it came to the disappearances and such. But the final straw was when Trujillo sponsored an assassination attempt on the president of Venezuela, Romelo Benacourt. After that, the U.S. withdrew its ambassador to the Dominican Republic. President Eisenhower had approved a plan to assassinate Trujillo, but the Kennedy administration withdrew at the last moment due to the Bay of Pigs disaster. Uh, He was afraid of another Castro forming in the DR. Which is kind of back-ass words, considering Castro is more likely to be another Trujillo, because Trujillo did it first, and he did it worse. Yeah. Now, as for the country, 
basically the co-conspirators were super clever because they had planned with uh, Joaquin, Joaquin Balaguer. Thank you. That he was supposed to take over the country. He was the president under Trujillo. Um, it was supposed to be an easy transition in that way. However, it did not work out in the end uh, because his son and Johnny Abes took over. And um, the rest is, is history. So this one is a... It's a little somber, but that's because it's hard to make light of such a messed up situation. There's there's nothing really good about this guy at all. But it is super important to learn about so we can make sure that we never let this kind of thing happen again. Awareness really does save lives. So anyway, uh, thank you for joining us for another episode of Fast Past. If you have any requests for future episodes, you can contact us via Twitter uh, at fastpast one or our Gmail account at fastpastpodcast at gmail.com. If you want to hear more from me, you can check me out on Inside the Gamer's Stronghold, a video game podcast with my friend Mark Zebro. You can listen to that on Podbean, SoundCloud, and Apple Podcasts. And if you want, you can follow my YouTube under my name or my makeup Instagram under makeup by underscore Meg T. Thank you again. And uh, bye bye